0: Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures Podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures Podcast. I'm really excited to talk today about why nature can have so much impact on us as humans. And I'm excited to be talking with Torbjorn Eklund, author of In Praise of Paths and co-founder of Harvest, an online magazine documenting wilderness adventures, environmental issues, and our relationship with nature. Hi, Torbjorn. Welcome to the 10 Adventures podcast. Hi, Richard. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's great to have you here because, you know, I think... You know, in my life, as I've as I've reflected, I realized just kind of the power of nature. So I think there's something really important in nature that, you know, we don't really talk about very much. And so for me, like, I just realized as I get older, I just love walking, you know, in the city. I go for, you know, lunchtime walks just in suburban parks or, you know, in Canada, backpacking in the Rockies with nobody around. Now, you've written a book about it. What was the step to say, I want to write a book about this for you?
1: It's a good question, and I sometimes wonder myself. It's a book about walking, um, as you said, and it's a book about uh, paths. And it was one special incident that sort of started it off because i it's six years ago now. I, I was uh, diagnosed with epilepsy, just like suddenly I had this seizure. I woke up in the hospital, and I remember that one of the first things that the doctors told me was that you can no longer drive a car uh, which is you know obviously you can't drive a car when you have epilepsy so uh, at first it i was it worried me more than the fact that i had uh, gotten this uh, illness i was lying in in the hospital bed thinking about my driver's license shit i can't drive a car (laughs) Uh, and then what was really strange was that it probably took me a day or something to to you know like sort of accept that I'm not a guy that drives a car anymore. I'm just a guy who walks. And for the past six years, I've walked everywhere, and just rarely I you know go by train or bus. Sometimes you have to do that, but most of the time I walk to the office and back to the supermarket and back to friends to whatever I need to to do. I just walk. So. That's, uh, and then I had this, I was asked by the Norwegian uh, official radio broadcaster uh, to have kind of, not a speech, but, you know, like uh, write a kind of essay that I read uh, on the radio. And I was wondering, what am I going to write about? And I thought that maybe I should just write about walking. Uh, Then I did. And then I got so many uh, responses from people that said, ah, I'm walking as well, I'm always walking, I love to walk. And then I, you know, it it struck me that this might be,
0: this might actually be a book. And then I wrote it and and now we're talking. Before you, you know, had your epilepsy diagnosis, were you a big walker before that as well or was this really a, a life change that you went from kind of little walking to always walking?
1: I was probably a big walker in you know like uh, compared to the average uh, average person I walked a lot before the diagnosis as well but then the thing was that when I when I had to walk it, it uh, did something with my identity more or less like I couldn't drive so I just yeah if you decided to stop drinking or something like that so I'm I'm a guy who never drinks a beer anymore uh, it was like that and then I probably walk three times as much as I uh, I did before, or uh, distance, three times the distance. So I sometimes I check the average. And then in a week where I don't go for a hike or anything particular in the woods or mountains, I normally walk about 50 kilometers a, a week. And that's just, you know, like uh, every day. Stuff like going to the supermarket and going to the office. And 50, mi- uh, 50 kilometers is a lot. It's a, it's a long distance and it, it amazes me. And then you don't even, I mean, I don't even get tired or
0: it's just, it's just walking. Did, did you notice a difference? So, you know, going to walk everywhere versus, you know, using your car to get around. What changed for you when you when you started to do that? or Or was it just kind of, oh, I'm just getting around differently? Or was there, you know, some sort of mental health or physical health benefits you found?
1: Of course, uh, the physical uh, aspect was uh, very good. It's uh, it's I mean it's exercise, but but probably the most striking difference was the mental state. So you can imagine the difference between uh, sitting in a in the car in a you know like a huge queue of cars waiting, uh, getting more and more annoyed. Nothing happens. You're just sitting there uh, compared to walking. uh, happily <laughs> uh, in a alongside the road so it's it's like all the stress connected to driving just disappeared and then uh, instead you have this very uh, you get very lightheaded and happy when you walk at least i do so the mental uh, difference is uh, at least for me huge really really huge
0: You know, I I find the exact same thing. I used to live in uh, London, England, and, you know, I'd take the tube or buses or cabs, and it was very stressful. And then uh, there was a tube strike, and I realized I could walk to work in about 45 minutes. And it was just great. I walked right through Hyde Park and then past, you know, Buckingham Palace, and I'm like, this is incredible. And here I was being squished on the tube doing transfers, and I started to walk, and it it really was, you know, I kind of fell in love with the city because I wasn't just kind of fighting to get to work and I spent an extra twenty minutes walking, but it was just like this, you know, just uplifting and, you know, you'd come to work super refreshed and then at the end of the day, you know, I'd walk back and again, like, you you can kinda of like walk out the daily stresses and you come back and it's there's this lightness of, you know, all your issues. You've had time to kinda of process and it's not like you're processing it really, like you're not thinking about anything, but just kind of, you know, I find a lot of problems just go away by walking and I think a lot, of, a lot of people, we, we hike in the mountains, but just like what you're doing, just walking kind of as your primary mode of transportation, it, it really does help relax. Uh, so I'm interested. I, I have the same experience experience you do. If I don't go for a walk for a day, um, I find I get like kind of grumpy, which is kind of crazy that it's just like, you know, yeah, you know, I just do, I have a little three and a half or five and a half kilometer loop I do at lunch. And if I don't do it, I'm like, oh, I'm just a grump, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. I
1: have it exact same way and it's so it's uh in a way uh, it's a little addictive or at least the body uh, your body needs it so you get used to it and then then yeah well when if you have these days when you just sit down it feels uh well like something is lacking and the funny thing about walking is that it's very strange to think about the fact that walking is something we almost have to rediscover the most basic uh, of all human things, you're uh, moving on two legs, and that's the way you you get around. And then suddenly, and I, I write about it in my book as well, that I rediscovering the most basic of all things was in itself a, a kind of reminder that uh, there are some things that we have uh, lost or uh, at least forgotten when i talk about walking in different uh, different situations or for an audience i always you know it's like I, just, I i always tell them just to you know this you you already know know how to do this this isn't like ice skating or uh, or mountain biking it's just walking
0: It's uh, sorry that you have a, there's a great quote in your book it it goes uh, we were nomads once we migrated never remaining for long in a single location the world lay open and undiscovered, borderless. We could walk in any direction, follow our will, explore new lands. And it kind of touches on this, you know, walking is what humans did all the time. You know, we were foragers, we were hunters, working land that kind of this this motion, you know, we evolved to, to be active. And, you know, in the last hundred years, we've transitioned to sitting at desks all day, all day. And, you know, I have friends who, you know, in their home office, they have a treadmill under their desk trying to, you know, simulate walking or these little bike pedals that they use, which look totally useless. It's interesting, like there is something about walking and just being kind of active at this low intensity that really resonates. Um, with me and it's, there's the mental, mental health and, and the physical health, but you know, what do you think is keeping people from, from discovering this from, you know, everyone who does this, they just, you know, anybody I talk to, they talk about how good they feel just in this kind of, you know, being out walking, why aren't more people doing like, what's holding people back from, you know, going to rediscover this?
1: That's a very good question. My best guess is that it's all about habits. So you like born into a, a community and a society and a historical time where everybody drives cars and that's that's what you do. So people have probably never really thought about it that uh, we can actually walk. There's like you told me about London, your way to work in London, 20 minutes more, and then you just you adjust to that 20 minutes and you, you just start walking. From home or from your apartment, 20 minutes earlier, and then everything is okay. So I think it has to do with time. People are, uh, you know, very like. You wake up in the morning, and then the first your first thought that is that my time is limited. It's always like stress. I have to, to try to use uh, a means of transportation that is uh, quick or the quickest way from, from like home to work or whatever. And that was also a very strange discovery for me that uh, it took such a short time uh, to adjust to the speed of walking. And then I'm going to a place five kilometers away. Uh, How fast do I walk uh, in a normal pace? Yeah, probably around five kilometers an hour. So I need to start one hour before I'm going to be there. It's so easy and probably... I would say that almost everybody would really, really enjoy walking if they tried to really, you know, like tried to do it for uh, at least uh, three, four weeks, something like that, and then it would probably or hopefully become a habit. Uh, and you always have to, uh, at least, I don't know about you, Richard, but I, there is only one thing you need uh, in addition to shoes, uh, and that's a backpack. So. Everything, everything, uh, I, will, I always wear a backpack because when I go, you know, like shopping in the supermarket or whatever, I just, you know, stuff it down in the backpack and then, uh, yeah. So that's the only thing that's really necessary for me.
0: Yeah, I always get weird looks when I go to my supermarket. I'll go with my kids and we'll stop at the supermarket at the end of the walk and I have a backpack and we'll load milk and juice and all this stuff in there. And I've, I always get weird looks and it's like, it seems really rational. Like if I can walk you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes to the supermarket and pick up some groceries, like why would I not just take a backpack? Um, But in Canada, like I live in kind of a suburban part of Canada, there's not a lot of, you know, people walking kind of to the supermarket or the library, it really is is car dominated. Something you, you mentioned, you know, kind of just, you know, adding time, you know, going at a slower pace. I feel like a lot of people talk about you know walking as as a way to you know observe the world more or have more time to to contemplate or, or some some people even talk about it as meditation. You know, you're kind of counting your steps. You're kind of getting to like this repetitive motion, especially if you're in the city. What are your thoughts on those types of aspects of walking in terms of you know that part of mental health and you know the, the impact the impact of walking?
1: My experience is that there is some some strange connection between thinking and walking it's almost like it's uh, the same thing it's like you walk and your feet walk and you get into this yeah meditative mode and uh, your thoughts well it's a kind of stream of consciousness everything is like uh, there is the same speed in your head as as in your uh, your legs so slow thinking uh, walking is slow necessarily and then you know it's like your thinking becomes slow as well. So if you're moving in 200 kilometers an hour in a uh, in a car, your thinking at least mine accelerates uh, in the same way. So walk, walking is for me. Walking and thinking is for me tightly connected. Uh, I, many I get ideas, for instance, or I get to solve uh, small problems, uh, all, all sorts of things and i very often i stop when it comes to writing it's like you you write a book and you get this in the writing period or the preparation period for a book uh, it has to do a lot at least for me as a writer uh, with ideas it's like you you come up with some stuff that ah this this can be a chapter in my book or this can be a you know a small passage somewhere in the book they always come when i walk and then i just stop you know and i uh, Add a note to my to my uh, phone and uh, walk on. And they always come when I walk. Never when I sit still. No, it has never happened. I've never had a good idea when I've been, you know, like sitting in a in a sofa or something like that.
0: It's so funny you mentioned that because you know there's lots of great thinkers over time who would walk to think. And my own experience is, I never solve a problem if I think of it when I'm walking. But often I'll just be out walking and, you know, I listen to podcasts a lot or books on tape uh, or sometimes just music. And then all of a sudden I'll just stop and be like, oh, wow, this s- s- problem is, is so simple to solve. And it's, it's it's kind of, you know, I always think when you free your mind and like you kind of walk without thinking and um, you're right. You have these great, great epiphanies or, you know, problems you're trying to solve. You know, I've had instances where it's like the solution is so clear and so easy and I often wonder I've had this problem for a month and we haven't been able to figure it out. And then it's like, it's such a simple solution, but for some reason, you know, sit at the desk, work at the computer. I, I, I couldn't solve it. Um, so it's funny, you know, the same thing. And then, yeah, like Steve jobs was famous. He'd go out and, you know, do walking meetings. That's the way he wanted to solve problems. Other great thinkers throughout time, you know, Newton was famous for going on walks and having his, his great ideas in your book. You kind of chart the path of, of walking, are there any stories you know and anything you know as you're researching writing your book that were really powerful stories for you that you know you found really really interesting?
1: Yeah, many, many. But there was particularly one guy that I uh, that I uh, I contacted and visited, and he was he's an old man now. I'm not even sure if he's still alive because he was like eighty six, eighty seven when I when I uh, contacted him and visited him. And his name is Bjorn Amstru, and he was the first one to walk from the southern to the northern tip of Norway, which is, if I'm not totally mistaken now, 2,700 kilometers. And he told me uh, that was in the 60s, uh, and later it, it has become a very you know, very popular hike. So now evolves, it's like the youngest one, the fastest one, the oldest one, blah, 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 all these new like records Bjorn Armstrong he just walked it so uh, and i i spoke to him and uh, and the story he told me was really fascinating he's from he he's from Oslo and then he he went to the university and became a dentist and then he told me that he started working as a dentist and after a couple of days he said in a very very Uh, you know like a calm uh, voice he said that I realized that I didn't like to look into people's mouths so uh, I just uh, quit the job and started walking (laughs) and and then he walked so this uh, office of his was in the on the southern tip of Norway and then he just you know like walked out to the dentist office and just started walking and walked the 2,700 kilometers to the other side of the Of the country, which was I found really, really, really uh, an amazing story. So I guess uh, there are so many, there are so many. There are like yeah, as you say, philosophers and uh, scientists and all sorts of people that have used or use walking as a as a really important uh, way to think and solve problems and stuff like that. But Bjorn Amstrup is probably my favorite. And when I spoke to him. Which is, uh, you know, like the downside of walking. He uh, couldn't walk because he had uh, both his knees were like worn out. So he was sitting in a in a chair. And they said that this is, it's a miserable life. <laughs> Just sitting down, sitting down every day.
0: But that would be really tough. I, I wonder, you know, Norway's famous for, you know, these great explorers like Nansen and Amundsen. And it, is there something in the Norwegian psyche that these kind of self-powered skiing, walking... Like, do you think that's a cultural aspect to Norway? And maybe because it's like a more rugged environment where you've got the sea and the mountains and the fjords. Like, do you think there's some cultural aspect that makes, you know, makes you, you know, more passionate about the outdoors and walking? Or do you think it's just, you know, happenstance that you have these great explorers and, you know, people, people like you just mentioned that, you know, choose these tough journeys?
1: Might be some cultural thing there because the people you mentioned, they're like great heroes. Of course, uh, national heroes in Norway. And um, they were all like, you know, like very macho men with uh, eyes in their beards walking, uh, you know, like to the South Pole or whatever. It's definitely some cultural thing. But i also thought that just like Canada, when you discovered Norway, it was uh, probably a, re- a really, really hard job. Uh, And the same thing with Canada, whereas to explore Belgium or something must have been a lot easier. Because everything is flat, so there's no mountains. And then uh, it was probably also very easy to navigate in those uh, countries or those areas. Whereas, uh, I mean, coming to Canada uh, 10,000 years ago, and then you're going to like figure out uh, where to go now must have been extremely difficult, or at least the, uh, it must have, have required some uh, uh, navigating uh, skills that I find really fascinating. And I walked uh, a particular trail across a, a, a mountain area in Norway called Hardangavidna, which is very famous. And then I I walked in a a track that's supposed to be, or a path that's supposed to be seven thousand years old it's actually still there so I, I was looking for it uh, and I actually found it the the you know still some traces uh, almost from the Stone Age so probably uh, some of the first people that came came to Norway after the the last ice age or followed the ice when it melted they walked that path and they again followed the animals of course because animals are pretty good at Making paths and finding finding the easiest way because it all has to do of course with uh, finding the the road of least resistance or uh, what you call it in English so that was rain, reindeer is, uh, reindeer was the, of course uh, in Norway the, the reindeer made the, made the paths and then the, the the people followed them. so it's very fascinating.
0: Yeah, when you think of people 10,000 years ago crossing, you know, the Bering Ice Bridge and coming down through northern climbs down south, you think how incredible that is. And, you know, I I'm, I like Canadian history and you hear about all the Europeans that emigrated here. And I just think of like, you know, a young couple from Scandinavia or, you know, central Europe. And they show up on the prairies and they build a little sod house. And their first winter is in like a house made of grass. And how difficult that must be, or early explorers in the Rocky Mountains where they're following game trails and they're having to deal with like minus 45 C and, you know, just with a campfire to keep warm. And um, yeah, you're right. There is just so much exploration just by regular people just to survive over the last 10,000 years. But even here, like 100 years ago, there was nothing. My city is 115 years old and, you know, up in the Rockies, there was there was a train line and that was about it. Like the rest of it was just pure, pure wilderness. Um, I'm interested, you know, you obviously love wilderness paths, but you also, you know, like just walking in an urban environment. What do you what do you find is the difference between the two?
1: It's a good question as well, because I've been thinking about that probably that when I walk, uh, at least alone, when I'm in the, you know, like in the woods or something, I pay more attention to the surroundings. I don't really know why, because uh, maybe it has something to do with animals and birds and stuff. Uh, strange things happen and it's more difficult to spot them like if you're if you're out there and and it's it's more difficult to see a moose than a car if you know what i mean so uh, you mentioned podcasts and i always listen to podcasts when i walk in the in the city or in urban areas never in the in the woods so i guess that's probably the the biggest difference for me and i think Also, when I walk in in a forest or in in the mountains, I think even less. It's like it gets completely empty (laughs) inside my head. And I um, observe a lot more. I pay more attention to the surroundings. Whereas in the city, it's like you see people, you see cars, um, buildings, stuff like that. And I can look at them without really observing it it's like a scenery that i i know and it's so common so then I, I listen to podcasts all the time absolutely all the time
0: and that's my routine i've never thought of it but you're right i listen to podcasts or, or books on uh, you know audible all the time in the city but i never put it on in nature because there's almost like a soundtrack going on with you know wind through the trees or creeks or waterfalls or or birds chirping or whatever and yeah, it's really interesting. I, I never thought of that, but you're right. Coming back to your book, is there one kind of overarching message you you want to impart to readers?
1: If I should choose uh, one, uh, I will say that it has something to do with seeing and observing and paying attention to your surroundings. Uh, because if you do, especially in nature, of course, you will see all the, it's like the micro stuff The small things in nature, like you mentioned, the Norwegian explorers, they were very, very into the big, big stuff, the South Pole or Mount Everest or whatever. But I'm more interested in the in the little things. So walking, uh, it's perfect for seeing, observing, paying attention. That's probably the most important uh, message I have in my book, that we are not particularly good at observing our surroundings and they are much more interesting than we we realize because we move so fast and we have all these uh, things on our mind all the time so walking you empty your head and move slowly and then you can see, you get to see like the world in itself
0: almost it's incredible how you how you how you say that because i think of travel and i often say you know these people that go on these bus tours they're like a piece of luggage. They're put in a bus, they're carted out, they're showing things, but they never see anything. And when you do like a walking trip, it's totally different. And it's kind of this whole idea of slow travel. Like, you know, I always I always think back to a trip walking from kind of hill, hill town to hill town through Tuscany in autumn. And, you know, you smell the fields burning and you're getting like the autumn produce and, and wine. And it's a, a completely different experience from driving through Tuscany or going, you know, going on a bus tour, you see Rome and you stop in somewhere in Tuscany and then you go to Florence and then you go to Venice and then you go to, you know, it's just a totally different way to explore the world. And uh, while we've talked mostly on focusing like near to you, it also is just a totally different way to explore the world when you travel and kind of, you know, seeing a lot more of, of a lot less. And it's a much, you know, for me, at least it's a, a totally kind of revolutionary way of traveling. Once I started doing this to just have a totally different experience,
1: and it's uh, interesting that you na- uh, mentioned smelling like uh, what's it smelling in Tuscany uh, because smelling is uh, is uh, you, you don't get to smell anything uh, when you sit in your car so you don't have any idea if you drive through Tuscany and somebody asks you after after uh, afterwards how does it smell in Tuscany you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a clue right and I also had another experience uh, that's uh, quite a lot of years ago, but I spent uh, a winter in uh, India with a, with, a, with a friend of mine. And we went there yeah, around Christmas, I think. And then when we landed, uh, we flew from Oslo and then landed in New Delhi. And I remember thinking, because India is like the most different place on Earth uh, when you, uh, you come from Canada or Norway, And I remember standing in the airport or in the city of New Delhi and I, and I thought, well, this is strange. This is very fascinating. Uh, But what lies between here and Norway, the enormous distance that I've actually traveled by plane, and I have no idea what's between New Delhi and Oslo, which is actually very interesting because because, um, that's like the story of this landscape. so if you walked from Oslo to New Delhi, you would really like see the world. But when you go by plane, you you actually just see New Delhi, really, which is amazing in itself. But uh, but still, there there is something strange about this this way of traveling. You you don't I don't I don't know if you develop some kind of ignorance or something like that. But sometimes uh, it feels like uh, yeah, like there's something wrong with uh, this. Uh, airplane traveling stuff just like uh, my son in his uh, you know his uh, video games when this what's it called teleporting uh, or when you when you like and go just push a button and then you go from one place to the other it's sometimes when you go by plane it feels like that at least I think so and uh, I write uh, of course a lot about, about the landscape like uh, how it changes very very slowly so, if you like in Europe or the first people who came to, to Norway, they came from uh, Russia and they came from Germany and from down south. So, it must have been really strange to like walk uh, every day and then you see things change a little bit. You've never been there before, the, the place you're going to, but you see that, you know, like the landscape changes temperatures everything changes very slowly as you walk uh, it must have been really amazing and probably a bit scary as well
0: yeah yeah I can imagine and, and just I think it's a subtlety of change that you notice where you don't notice we had a um, a fellow that's walking from north south to north in the UK and he talked a lot about seasonality and and watching how what? the seasons change over a few months and you don't notice that you can drive that in in eight or ten hours but spending two months you can notice how not just the you know the landscape changes but like he's walking in spring and how you know different flowers are different places different bird species and you never notice any of that when you're flying or cruising or, or driving you don't have the ability to see that subtle change and he was actually walking he said the pace of his walking was approximately the pace at which spring develops And so he's going to kind of see spring develop over his entire walk from South to North. And he was really excited about seeing just what spring in Scotland versus spring on the Southern coast of England. And, different birds and plants and animals. And, and I thought, I'd never thought of that, but it's true. You know, as you walk North, you know, you see up different things and we've lost that touch. I know a lot of people in the pandemic have told me that they notice weather and seasons a lot more because they're not just driving to work in the office for 10 hours, driving home. They're, you know, working at home. So they'll have lunch outside and, you know, little things like just noticing weather and seasonality is, it's a start. And, and, and hopefully, you know, people realize, take the next step and maybe just walk to the park at lunch instead of just sitting on the patio. I could talk to you forever, Torbjorn. This is like super interesting stuff. I want to thank you, say thanks for coming on the podcast. Like this has been a really interesting discussion. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much, Richard. And thank you for inviting me. I I love to walk, but I also love talking about it. It's very interesting. And I hope that some people get inspired to do the easiest absolutely is this thing in the world, which is to put on some shoes and then just go out the door and, and walk.
0: I agree. You know, I've had many doctors say, if if you could turn walking into a pill, it would be the most successful drug in the history of the world. It does so much for mental health and physical health. Uh, and it's essentially free. Like you don't have to buy anything. You just go out in your regular shoes. But um, as you say, there's a barrier. We're used to using our cars. We're used to using you know public transit. Um, so, you know, that's, that's our message, you know, go and explore the world under your own power. Um, if you want to know more about Turborn, uh, you can check out his website. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. It's it's Torbjorn-Eklund.com. I'll also do uh, share a link to his most recent book and uh, definitely urge everyone to, to check those out. Uh, and with that, thanks for listening to another episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review better yet subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10 adventures.com where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure.